This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. The actual interest in pizza ovens because of the pandemic or due to the pandemic has tripled in sales. Yeah, people are trying to bring the restaurant experience into their own backyard because you can't leave, right? Yeah, and and just everyone's found a newfound love for enjoying themselves at home. We're all looking for experiences. I think that's what it is. What we started noticing was during the pandemic was we started wanting to bring those experiences home with us. Well, hello, I'm Mary Mamaliti, and here with me today is... What? Okay, wait, this can't be right. Our producer and editor, Matt Agnew, finds himself on an unfamiliar side of the desk. Hi. Yes, yes, hello, hello. Well, okay, it's about time for another catch-up where we give the audience a peek behind the curtain and we share a little bit about what's going on in the kitchens behind Kitchen Confession. Matt and I will also turn the script on each other and hear some of the questions oft asked but never answered. So, Matt... What's new in your kitchen this summer? What's new in my kitchen? Um, well, a lot, actually. I've been very busy this summer. Some of the themes that I've noticed in, in our recent episodes, especially, you know, things like sustainability and self-reliance. At the start of the summer, what really got me was uh, Farmer Lee Jones. He really gave me the gardening bug, <laughs> like a lot. And I don't know what it was. I've been moderately interested in gardening in the past, but... Uh, just something about him uh, just really got me excited about it. So, you know, I just just uh, kind of challenged myself to to grow something myself and and use it in my kitchen, and and just sort of improve my vegetable repertoire. Um, you know, Farmer Lee Jones talked in his episode a lot about uh, some really exciting uh, vegetables and trying new things. And you know, if you're ever at the grocery store and you see something unfamiliar, you know, just grab it and you know take it home and figure out how to cook. With it, for, for me, one of those things was uh, fiddleheads. Have you ever cooked with fiddleheads? I have. Yeah, I made like a really cool, um, you know, risotto with fiddleheads and uh, uh, king oyster mushrooms that I did. So that they almost come out a little bit like scallops. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to make sure, and I want to add with the fiddleheads, you got to really clean them properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but early in in the summer, uh, kind of the spring, I guess, um, I I took over the whole garden. Uh, my wife and I made some new garden beds and uh, she is among other things a florist and so in, in the past she's planted the whole backyard with all kinds of different flower varieties but uh, she graciously <laughs> let me take over the entire backyard <laughs> all of the garden boxes which is four of them uh, to, to plant vegetables. I had good success with my basil this year and you've made fun of me several times on other episodes <laughs> about my sad twiggy basil. Okay could we just talk about the basil just a little bit just a little bit because for people that don't know what happened with the basil and why we go way back, you and I, with basil. Well, it's, it's been at least, you know, two two or three years, I think, maybe with the basil saga. But every year, <laughs> uh, I really love fresh basil. And so every year I go to the store and I get one of those, like, planted ones and uh, potted basil. And, and I, I try and keep it alive. And every year I fail miserably. It, the leaves turn pale and... I don't get any new leaves and the, the stems turn to twigs and it's just really sad. And one year we exchanged photos. You sent me a photo of your basil, which was, you know, just a beautiful, huge hedge of basil. Um, and I sent you mine back and it was very small and sad. It was like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree of basil. 
Um, so every year I try something a little bit different. Um, and, and this year what I did was uh, I, I put it in, in a much bigger pot on my front porch, which is east facing. Uh, it just did a lot better this year. But yeah, other, th other than my basil, um, I've had kind of mixed success. I, I didn't spend a lot of time sort of researching about what would do well in uh, you know, a wet spot of the garden, uh, as well as, you know, what needs full sun versus shade. But earlier in the season as well, uh, I helped my sister, who also was bitten by the garden bug, and I helped her made a, a raised garden bed. Later on, she had sent me a meme about, you know, all the time and money that we sink into gardening uh, to harvest, you know, what about, to about 35 cents worth of peas. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, the gardening has been really big for me um, this year, as as well as uh, I've picked up a new hobby. Um, God knows I don't need another one, but mm -hmm. uh, I picked up a new hobby, fishing. I've taken up fishing with my dad. Um, some of our episodes oh, like with uh, Michael Hunter and Rich Francis um, really got me thinking about kind of the ethics of commercial meat production and... Yeah, and just sort of the place for hunting and fishing and things like that. So I don't have a hunter's license, but I did get my game license so that I could uh, go fishing and if I if I wanted to. And my goal is by the end of the summer to hopefully catch something that I could cook up in the kitchen. Good for you. Yeah, it's not going well so far. Uh, <laughs> so far, I'm a bit of a vegetarian <laughs> fisher catching nothing but weeds. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where, where, where we get. Perfect. If not, you can make a nice seaweed salad. Uh, yeah, for, for many but uh, but yeah, other than that, the summer just uh, been kind of you know rethinking the value of quality meats and you know been making friends with the local butcher and uh, like I said, taking up fishing. So uh, so yeah, lots going on uh, in my kitchen. There is lots. What about brewing? You mentioned brewing to me, and you're gonna leave it off your list. I did. What about brewing? So there's an upcoming episode actually of our other. Uh, podcast bits and bites. I'll throw a plug in here for that one um, about summer cocktails, and uh, got me thinking about all of the uh, summer brewing that that you can do. Uh, for me, I've got a lot of stuff going on right now. A, a lot of it has actually just been bottled. Uh, so I I started out on my brewing journey uh, with mead, and uh, you guys will talk a little bit about mead in in that podcast, um, which is really interesting. It's something that's kind of coming back a little bit, but it's it's like a honey liquor, right? It's um it's like honey wine. And so I started out with mead, did all kinds of different batches there. But the thing I found with mead is that people think it's weird because uh, it's not, you know, your typically commercially produced uh, kind of beverage and not a lot of people know what to expect. So I, I moved over into cider, which is much easier to get rid of, but very similar. Um, and so I've done a couple of really interesting batches. My absolute favorite is a tart cherry cider is super fantastic. I like to carbonate it um, kind of like an IPA. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's um, you know, got a good bit of carbonation. And uh, that's my favorite. You're saying that it's easy enough to make, but you can actually infuse so many different types of flavors into it, which I love, like you said here, like the cranberry, the yeah, cherry. Yeah, I've done all kinds of crazy combinations um, with, with the mead. Uh, my favorite one, and one that I do make regularly in, in small batches, so it's it's a mead made from caramelized honey. So you get like a lot of these like really dark toffee uh, caramel kind of flavors, mm -hmm. and um, it's really good. And so uh, you caramel caramelize the honey. And then you ferment the mead, and then um, it, you go into something called uh, secondary uh, fermentation. Um, and in secondary, what I do is I throw in some toasted uh, oak chips and juniper berries. And it's a really interesting nice. flavor combination. And actually inspired from a, a video game that I play called Skyrim. 
And uh, yeah, so that that's one of my favorites that I that I really like to make. But yeah, I've tried all kinds of really interesting combinations with the mead. Um, with the cider, one of the popular ones that um, I, I made three gallons of earlier in the summer, and it was gone like that, uh, was a bourbon oaked cider. So made regular cider, so just apple juice and yeast. Um, the other thing about cider is that it's much cheaper to make, where you might spend $50 on honey to make a batch of mead. Uh, you're probably spending about 10 bucks worth of apple juice to to make a batch of cider. When it goes into secondary, what I do uh, is add oak chips that have been soaked in bourbon. So you pour in the bourbon, usually about a cup of bourbon to a handful of oak chips. It soaks up a lot of the bourbon. And then when you put it in the apple cider with temperature changes, it kind of like squeezes the the bourbon back out. And so you kind of get this little mix. So yeah, that was a very popular batch. And uh, I've already started another. Now, we ask all our guests to share a kitchen confession. You know you're not going to end this I don't interview. get a pass, That's right. No, no. You need to share a kitchen <laughs> confession of your own. Okay. Well, I have to preface this confession uh, with a bit of very exciting news. My wife, Steph, and I are going to be having a baby. Yay! I'm so excited for you guys. Thank you. Yeah, so the baby's due in January, and we're very excited, of course. And uh, so a good bit of my summer kitchen experience has been trying to figure out how to make nutritious meals for someone who will only eat waffles. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> The cravings have been interesting uh, so far, uh, to say the least. And uh, protein pancake mix, by the way, that is the answer to that question. So here's the confession. Uh, er Early on um, in her pregnancy, Steph was really craving red meat. Decided I'm going to make Steph a really nice nice supper uh, with red meat to satisfy that craving. So I went down to the butcher and I I asked them about uh, what steak would be best um, that has to be well done. And he just looked at me like I had two heads, like that's the that's an oxymoron, right? Like jumbo mm-hmm. shrimp. That's there's no steak that's going to be good. Well done. D- please don't well do your steak. <laughs> and I explained to him, well, okay, as my wife is pregnant and she can't have you know undercooked meat, and so you know what's going to be the best if I do have to do it. Well done. So he hums and he haws about it for a little bit, and he says, okay, well, you know, it better uh, better be the ribeye. You know, it's well marbled, so it'll still have good flavor even if it is well done. So. You know, I've, I've been doing more shopping at the butcher and, like I said, reevaluating kind of the value of quality meats. And I'm I'm still getting over the adjustment to the sticker shock, you know. So these ribeyes rang up, you know, each about 30 bucks or more. And I was like, that's OK. All right. Yep, I can I can do this. So my dad had been talking to me about um, this reverse sear technique that he'd been trying to kind of master and uh, told me that that's, you know, how I should do them. So you know, put them in the in the oven and kind of slow cook them in the oven mm-hmm. um, until it's perfectly done, you know, inside however you want it. And then you take it out and you sear it. I started what I thought was pretty early, about four o'clock. I, I put a, a thermometer on it that has like a, a doneness timer so I could keep keep track of it while I was doing something else. And, and so I kept checking in on and it has just taken forever and like I swear, at one point I started losing degrees somehow. Um, <laughs> it, like the steak was getting colder, and I I just couldn't figure it out. And so it was starting to get later, like past dinner time at this point. Like I don't know, it was maybe six thirty, getting on to seven, and maybe I just put it in the oven like way too low. I don't know. But Steph's getting hungry, right? She's she's getting hangry, like almost to the point of of tears. And uh, and so I just I just gave up. I said, okay, forget the reverse here. I grabbed my cast iron pan and I just like crank the heat. I was like, I just, I got to serve her something at this right. point. Going back to what I hate about my, my kitchen, um, my stove is kind of weird and I never go past 
six. There, you can go up to ten on on the stovetop dial, but I've never gone past six because six is like high heat. But I was I was in a hurry. I had to feed Steph something, so I cranked it all the way. And in like two minutes, the cast iron was smoking hot. I throw the steaks on there out of the oven. It, it it was I don't know less than three minutes. I turn around and these steaks are crispy, like we are looking at well done in the rear view mirror, crispy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I just wrecked these steaks. The butcher probably would have broke down in tears to see what I did to the the thing. And and finally, I I took the the less ruined one, and uh, it was servable uh, ish, mm-hmm. and and um, served this up to Steph. <laughs> and she literally she is crying as she is eating this steak because she is so hungry. I've taken so long to get food in front of her. And and yeah, so if you're ever wondering whether the higher quality cuts are worth it, you know, this ribeye was still okay after what I did to it. <laughs> and and anything else, if it was just a Costco cut, it would have been inedible, guaranteed. It would have been a Frisbee. <laughs> it would have been a Frisbee, absolutely. Not even the dog would have looked sideways at it. I'm Mary Memolidi, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. I'm smiling and laughing as I'm saying this because Matt and I are sitting down and we're sharing what we've been up to over the summer. Okay, now it is your turn. Uh, You've had an unbelievably busy summer. Do you want to tell everybody what you've been working on? What's your new project and, and what it's all about? Okay, so at the top of my list, I'm so excited to share. I've been working with AMI on a new series called Dish with Mary. And I'm I'm really nervous about it, to be honest with you, Matt, because you never really know how it will be received by people. And it's just what's so much fun about this. You you know how much I love food and what this is all about. It's me cooking virtually with chefs across Canada. What I'm excited most about is for you guys to, to experience what I was fortunate enough to experience with these chefs. We are cooking virtually there in their kitchen or even in the restaurant or their home kitchen. I'm here in Toronto and they provide the recipes and I cook along with them. It invites you to cook along with us and just share in the fun because food, we all know food brings people together. And during the pandemic, what better way to bring people together than through food? Absolutely. I think probably my favorite part of the pandemic was when science finally told us it was okay to share food again. And that like, right? you know, cooked food was safe. To have that back just like meant so much, right? It's connection. Yeah, it's connection. I, I got to ask you, what was it like cooking with other people virtually? Honestly, it was so much fun. And the reason why is because you get to to experience them in their kitchen without being there with them. Because, I mean, I love the face-to-face. I love connecting. I love being around people. You know, and I'm a, I'm a chatter. I'm a gabber. You know mm-hmm. that. Um, <laughs> I mean, everyone knows that. I just love talking. And I love hearing stories and cooking with people. But because I couldn't be in their kitchen, cooking with them and sharing that kitchen with them, this was the next best thing because we still got to cook together. I don't want to give too much away, but I tried to make a dish, one that I stopped making 10 years ago. And there was an interesting reason behind why I had stopped making it. And this put me in that position where I made it again. I felt empowered. I felt, I just felt so good to do this again. But that's as much as I could share. So you'll get to, if you, when you watch it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, can't wait to catch it. Uh, when does it come out? In September. 
So aside from uh, shooting all summer, uh, have you had time to actually do anything in your own kitchen? I have. So I want to tap into gardening first because we talked about it with you. And unlike yourself, I've had horrible luck this year with my garden. Karma is a real bee. (laughs) So how it started was we decided to revamp our backyard a little bit. Now, we live in the city, so we've got a small backyard. And it's all concrete. So we do a lot of raised container gardens, um, whereas yours is like the contain- the the beds. Yeah, like raised cedar beds versus, uh, you know, like planters and things. Right. So I purchased a couple of large planters. I used to have um, these large cedar planters that I had in my backyard. And we decided that we we're going to rejig the backyard and move things around. So when we went to go move it, it kind of fell apart on us. So we oh, had- no. <laughs> so we had to buy some new containers. I don't know what happened, but we put the containers on the other side of the backyard. It's a small backyard, so you'd think the sun hits evenly everywhere. At least so I thought. But that may not even be the problem, because what happened was I planted a couple of the usual suspects that I do every single year. I do my one um, eggplant, and I put that in its own container, which I already got my very first eggplant. I'm taking selfies with it, and it's like I have a photo op with it. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's just like a whole shoot, me and this eggplant, because I'm so proud of it. I love planting cucumbers every single summer. We went out, Frank comes home and he's like, hey, I found these really different cucumbers that we've never tried before. And I had never even heard of them. One was called Summer Dance and one is Salt and Pepper. So what I loved about these is Summer Dance, it's either it's like an early English um, cucumber type. So it's like got that crisp, smooth skin. But even inside, it's got like a little bit of sweetness to it, which I loved. And then there is, which I just picked my very first one and I haven't had it yet, but it's the salt and pepper. It's a white skinned pickling or even raw cucumber that it it tastes so great if you add it to salads, eat it on its own, but it's white skin. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I can't wait to try that. I don't know what the inside looks like or tastes like or what the texture is, which I'm assuming it's like a cucumber. But there are those other cucumbers that have the big seeds inside. Not a fan. Not a fan of those. And then we usually have a lot of pepper plants. And we, we plant different varieties. And my husband this year, Frankie, did it from seed, which they were looking great. But like you mentioned, we had that where it was so hot. It was before the May 2-4 weekend. We had this unbelievable weather. So I put my plants. I started planting. And we put our You know, we transferred our pepper plants that were in our little seedlings into the garden. And all of a sudden we got that cold snap out of nowhere with hail, um, these gale force winds that were coming out of everywhere, rain, temperature drop, what you were talking about. And we went out to tarp them up. But I guess it wasn't enough. Because again, it's not in the ground. It was, they're in containers. I don't know what happened. But ever since that, it kind of shocked the plant. So again, we didn't get the yield of peppers that we normally get. We plant calabrese long and short peppers. Um, My Thai chilies are doing phenomenal, uh, which I absolutely love. I've already had a few. They got a little bit of kick. More this year than they did last year. You had a fantastic recipe for like homemade uh, chili flakes using like all those colorful Thai chili peppers, right? I did. Yes. So with my, because we also had Mexican um, peppers. uh, We have devil's tongue. There's a few of them. At the end of the season, 
whatever did fully ripen or whatever's left, we keep one or two for seeds. And then the rest I dried and I mixed them all together. I mixed the calabrese, I mixed the Thai, I mixed um, the Mexican devil's tongue. I did not. Devil's tongue, we're going to try making a little bit of a hot mango sauce, hot sauce this year Ooh, with the devil's tongue because it's, it's fairly spicy, but the mango tampers that a little bit. Yeah. So we'll try that. But what I did with those others is I dried them out. I used um, a coffee grinder. Oh, that's cool. And then I just kind of ground them into, yeah, ground them into like a little pep- uh, chili flake. I can't tell you. One, it looks spectacular because the different colors just pop. It does. And then you only add very little to whatever dish you're making. And it adds that beautiful heat, but it doesn't overpower the dish, which is what I like. It's a heat that's like kind of in the back of your mouth. So when you eat... It gives you that little heat at the back of your mouth, but it doesn't take over the flavoring of the actual food. As part of your backyard renovation, I know that you added an absolute Cadillac of a wood oven. I did. Have you been finding it? I did. Okay. So I'm so, see, look how excited I get. I talk about food. I know, I I can hear. (laughs) This wood oven has been years in the making. I have been, Frank and I have been deciding, you know, do we, do we go ahead? Do we make the investment? Do we do it? Um, how do we fit it in our backyard? Because again, city living, smaller backyards, we made it work. I'm telling you, I even did a blueprint on Excel and I made a drawing of the backyard and I fit things in. <laughs> I'm like, this has got to work. No matter what it takes, we're going to stuff this wood oven That's in there. That's it. It's happening. Um, even if I have to suspend it from the garage, it's happening. So <laughs> so we finally did it. We invested. Uh, we invested actually in a Fontana and I'm in love with it. I used the rest of the dough from some of our pizzas that we didn't use and turned it into some bread. You spread out your dough and then you layer it with cold cuts, um, an antipasto maybe in there, maybe a a pepper spread, um, some cheese, and then you roll it up. Uh, Oh, interesting. Yes. I was going to just ask if it's like kind of a flatbread sort of action, but apparently not. (laughs) You roll it so it forms like a baguette type thing. And then you bake that. Wow, that sounds fantastic. And then you slice it into little rounds. Oh my goodness. So good. Hot out of the oven. That's great to have. What I want to try is actually make a bread from scratch in there. I want to do uh, maybe even a steak in the wood oven. Hey, hey, pro tip about the steaks. Yeah. Uh, Tell me. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. <laughs> yeah. And have a <laughs> and, backup and dish. If you're going to try a new technique, don't do it with someone who's going to be very hangry. <laughs> And I get the hangry because I get hangry a lot. I'm like, yeah. my Frank calls me three square because I like my three square meals. Three square. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just love them. But yeah, the pizza oven, best investment I've ever made. And it's funny because when we were speaking to, um, and this is not sponsored, we purchased ours from Dixon. But when we were talking to them, um, the price, the the actual interest in pizza ovens because of the pandemic or due to the pandemic, has tripled in sales. Yeah, people are trying to bring the restaurant experience into their own backyard because you can't leave, right? Yeah, and and just everyone's found a newfound love for enjoying themselves at home. Whereas before, we're all looking for experiences. I think that's what it is. What we started noticing was during the pandemic was we started wanting to bring those experiences home with us. So yeah, that's my pizza oven. I was so happy about it. I still am. And like I said, it was years in the making of deciding whether or not we were going to go ahead and do the make the investment. And I'm so happy we did. Okay, well, before you go, we need to get a kitchen confession from the host of the show herself. Okay, radishes. 
So this year I decided I tried my hand at planting from seed. So I planted some lettuce, which did very well. Then there were radishes. There were some other, there were radishes. And I got pretty confident. And I thought, when you buy radishes, they're in a bunch. (laughs) So I planted five or six seeds in one pot, in one little thing. So they actually, it looked like a braid when you pulled them out. So some (laughs) they grew. So we had this gorgeous leafy green on top. And it's when so you, deceiving, isn't it? Oh my goodness. You don't understand how excited I was. Look at these things. And I'm telling everyone I grew these from seed. <laughs> I am just really going on about it. And we were laughing because I had said to Frank, oh, I can't wait to post about these. I'm going to, you know, the whole bit. I don't know why I selfie with my vegetables, but I do. <laughs> Frank said, you know, why don't you wait and see what they turn out like? Thank goodness for once I listened to him. And I, I did say that for once because I normally, I'm so headstrong. But I listened to the the man and honestly, thank God I did. Because when you pulled them out, what I saw, one looked like a toothpick. Um, two were kind of intertwined. I don't even think I got one good one out of this batch. Oh, no. They're just like totally overcrowded. <laughs> yeah. So um, I quickly yanked them out. And I replanted. I went and bought more seed. And I replanted one per pot. Now now they're growing. The problem is some bug got to the the leaves. And they're only like about five inches high, the leaves. And some bug got to them. They're all filled with little holes. And I don't know if now they just killed my plants. (laughs) So I don't know. Guys, everyone says radishes are so easy to grow. But I apparently am not catching on to that. And another garden fail. Oh, my God. That's the two one. Um, Carson Arthur, again, told me that it when one of our interviews on Bits and Bites mentioned that it's so easy to grow arugula. Well, yours truly could eat it, but apparently can't grow it. Because I, once again, I let them grow too much. And one year, you could probably have used them to climb the ladder onto the roof of my garage because I just let them grow and I wasn't sure when I was supposed to harvest them. You just never harvested them? I thought I was supposed to wait. Like I thought they were supposed to stop growing and then you pick them. I I don't know what I was thinking. I do know that I thought I was supposed to wait and then pick them all together. I have no idea what I was thinking, but clearly... Wait until they tie themselves in a bunch and deliver themselves to your front door. Exactly. That and (laughs) along with the radishes, they bunch together. I don't know. But clearly I got that all wrong. So I'm trying it again. I took out the strawberries that were in the basket at my back door, planted the arugula there, (laughs) and I replanted the radishes. We'll see. I don't know. Fingers crossed. I think I'm just going to be grocery shopping soon. Well, clearly, uh, these these two city kids uh, have a lot to learn about where our food comes from, don't we? But at least we try. We're trying. We're trying. Solid effort. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchenconfession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mammolini. Thanks for listening. 
This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.